This episode of the Film Stage Show is presented by the streaming service Film Movement Plus. Enjoy a world of cinema today on all of your favorite devices by signing up today at filmmovementplus.com. back ladies and gentlemen to a brand new episode of the film stage show the movie review podcast with filmstage.com as always i'm your host brian j rowan with me today we have robin barr hi hello we also have bill graham i am definitely a fan of mango i like mango I, you know uh, we'll get into it but i hate mangoes um what? <laughs> it's a peppery no. fruit i have to say daughter she loved mangoes when she was a child can't get her to eat them anymore so clearly she grew out of that anyway she with... is a child <laughs> you know she you know how some kids will like steal candy and cookies and stuff yeah you know, the normal children. she steals like tiny little mandarin oranges like mm. i'll find orange peels under cushions and be like did you eat an orange without telling me and she's go yeah and i'm like that's not something you have to hide i'm thrilled about that just do it I don't trust her. Yeah, yeah, you shouldn't. She's a crafty one. Anyway, uh, with us today to talk about Raya and the Last Dragon, very special guest, it's Win Lei. Xin jiao. Hello, everyone. Uh, Win Lei here, as introduced. Um, I'm a film writer, and I'm highly suspicious of people who hate mangoes. Oh, well, uh, we are off on a bad foot. Um <laughs> I will say, uh, mango lassi. I like that. Mm. Uh, if Sugar I get a, drink. if I get like a hot sauce with a little bit of mango in it, I tried a hot sauce the other day that had pineapple in it. Loved it. Anyway, well, if you like a, if you like a variation of it, then you should like the source of it as well. But you don't like the source of it, I know, so it's, it's very strange, and um, <laughs> it's something that I've wrestled with in my soul, and I cannot come up with an answer as to why that would be. Just maybe repent. it's because they're they're hard to peel. I don't know. I just... <laughs> You can I buy struggle. them pre-peeled. You can you can buy them frozen. Just Bill, get them between. You're them. all but, about the pre-prep. The, you're right. You go to a <laughs> store. You get a pre-peeled mango. You get a pre-chopped onion. What are you What are you what doing with your own self? Grapes. I'm sure. This this is this is what happens when you become adult and you have money. You're like, I don't want to peel things, so I want someone else to do that for me, and I pay like a a fifty cent service fee or something i don't know what the price difference is but frozen mango is is exceptional everybody should buy frozen food anyways like it doesn't go bad what's what's wrong with frozen it's perfect all right soggy well, i don't uh, know what's happening debatable. Right <laughs> fresh is better i got a i got a fresh cantaloupe the other day slice that sucker open it was delicious i can't imagine that a frozen cantaloupe if that even exists would taste as good <laughs> So we're friends on that front then. Oh yeah. Oh can't I have to I have to ration the cantaloupe because I like cut it in half, sliced it into chunks and stuff, and I was just immediately like, oh you know what? I um I need to put this away or I'm gonna eat an entire cantaloupe all right uh, here, right now. I'm anti melon. Oh how can you be anti every melon? It's just I don't know, there's there's something about melon and cucumber and it's just it's like cucumbers really not even a melon me... and cucumbers no. are amazing a, too a kiwi the kiwis are fine fruit. i eat them whole like, kiwi is a berry kiwi is a berry is a berry a kind of fruit 
All right. All right. I got worried nah. that I called it a fruit and I was I, about to I, I think I think it's a vegetable. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, let's not even no, get on the tomato. subject that's of tomatoes. Tomato. <laughs> no, a tomato is a fruit. It's a wolf peach. Yes. Yeah, I know. What? You looked it up, <laughs> Kiwi? What? No, no. A tomato is a wolf peach. That's like the that's the original name of it or something. I, when when we were when it was initially colonized or something like that. Imagine imagine that fucking name like <laughs> catching on. You want a wolf fruit or what was wolf called? peach? A wolf, wolf peach. peach? <laughs> yeah, you know, get some wolf peach sauce, put it on your pizza. Anyway, yeah, a kiwi is a berry. We have really gotten off course. Uh, as I said, we are here today to talk about Raya and the Last Dragon, uh, the newest Disney feature animated film. It is available right now on the good old Disney Plus. And um, it's in theaters too, right? If there are theaters out there. It's in theaters. And I think it's available through Premier Access on yes, Disney Plus right it's now. It's the PVOD. You got you to gotta put some money down on the barrel head. And uh, we're gonna tell you if it's uh, if it's worth it. If you should do that. Before we do uh, the standard stuff, you can find us on Twitter at Film State Show, Facebook the Film State Show. Give us a comment rating on iTunes, and you can email us podcastfilmstage.com. If you would like a chance to talk with us in a completely unmoderated, insane slapdash kind of way, you can join our Slack channel by becoming a patron at Patreon.com/slash/TheFilmStageShow. Uh, for as little as one dollar an episode, you can help us to continue to produce this podcast. We are also today brought to you by Film Movement Plus. Enjoy a world of cinema with Film Movement Plus, a streaming subscription, award-winning independent features, documentaries, and shorts, as well as restored classics are all waiting for you to discover. Plus, there are guaranteed new films added every week, available on all your favorite devices, including Roku, Apple TV, and Amazon Fire. Film Movement Plus is priced at $5.99 a month, but... Because you're a Film Stage Show listener, Film Movement Plus will give you a 30-day free trial in addition to the next three months at 50% off when you use the promo code STAGE when signing up. That is a fantastic deal. I'm still blown away by that. Anyway, go to filmmovementplus.com and start streaming today. And remember to use the promo code STAGE when signing up. So... That's it. That's all the front matter. We can now uh, get to the main event, unless anyone has any uh, news or anything they want to share. How's everyone doing? <laughs> doing good. It's Monday okay. night. Well, it's a it's a cool Monday. Uh, yeah, chatting with uh, uh, you know being actually being a guest and not a listener on a program that I've uh, you know that I've always liked in the past and. Uh, uh-huh. Sometimes, uh, just a heads up, sometimes I guess my aunt's dog will uh, voice her opinion about Ryan, the last dragon, uh, into the <laughs> podcast as well. I'll try and limit that, but, you know, I I can't guarantee. That's... I can't guarantee that because sometimes we are visited by a possum on a fence. I hate that <laughs> possum. So. I love possums in general, though I can imagine that a possum that comes and visits at inopportune times gets annoying and um as for your dog or your aunt's dog totally cool we have animals on this program all the time oh that's what are you cool. calling me <laughs> oh you're a robin 
I'm am. sorry. I was led to believe that you were a giant anthropomorphic bird. Was that not correct? <laughs> it's, it's true. It's very true. No, I'm I'm referring to like all the times that my dog slams her paw into my door until I open it in the middle of a podcast, or the time that a cat attacked my foot while we were listening to the <laughs> Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom trailer. Mm-hmm. Yes. Where um, are you recording no. this? Salt Lake City Zoo? <laughs> yes, 100%. No, I'm okay. uh, recording this in my studio. My studio? My study, which I guess functions as a studio. Jesus. Um, there's a snake. Just put it out there. Put it out there, Brian. Your your money bags. Yes, so that's not going to help all the people who think that I'm a billionaire. Uh, so it's I, a so, so it's a then. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh boy, there's also a snake in this room, but she never does nothing. So, also, I should say she is in an enclosure. I don't just have a snake randomly <laughs> in a room. Uh, oh, okay, I'm glad. I'm I'm imaging or imagining Toxic by Britney Spears right now. Just Yeah, I podcast with a one foot long shoestring sized corn snake around my neck. <laughs> I think it just adds corn a little snake. a little something. It's a corn snake, yeah. That's such a cute name. Like a little, <laughs> like, she eats a little baby corn. Yeah, that's yeah. Totally. Um, oh, that is not a cute looking snake, though. <laughs> no, corn snakes are adorable. She's immediately red. Googles. <laughs> I think I feel like I share images of her all the time in the Slack channel. So again, if you want to become a patron, go to patreon.com slash film state show and you can see my daughter's snake, which is named alternately snack or sunshine, depending on how my daughter is feeling that day. And the snake doesn't give a shit because it's a snake. Anyway, ultra premium content. <laughs> 100%. Anyway, From we're here. <laughs> the film stage plus <laughs> snake no. pictures. Oh, I thought it was only snake. <laughs> All right. We're right. here we, to we talk about. <laughs> I can feel Bill itching. He's just like, why have we been talking about fruit and snakes? He's the one that brought up the mango. Okay. That is true. Wow. Jesus, I didn't realize that was going to go into you really, a thing. You really <laughs> fucked us on the mango thing. Um, remember that Robin is our new co-chair, and um, she's the queen of the tangent. So you got to really pick your words carefully, because you never know. offended right now. <laughs> I just gave you a royal title. How can you be offended? I am queen of shit. <laughs> That's basically what you just said. I'm sorry, but... Never say such a thing on International <laughs> Women's Day. And by the way, happy and happy Women's Day, Robin. Thank you. <laughs> now bow down to me, everybody. <laughs> well, I tell that. you about something only slightly related to what we're talking about. <laughs> this is why we chose you, because we were like, you know, people really love our tangents. We need to work more tangents in. And then I was like, oh, well, that's good. It's my ADHD. Yes actually being productive our, our, our run times were really uh not not hitting the mark that's what we needed i yeah, didn't Michael. sign up for math i don't need more tangents in my life what the heck <laughs> oh no i guess that's a sign that we should start talking hey. about hey. oh god i hate myself <laughs> that we should start talking about raya and the last dragon again a brand new disney animated film um, it is out now on premium premiere access, Disney Plus, as well as in theaters. And uh, it's a story of a young woman who is attempting to heal her broken land with the help of a mythical creature. Um, 
that happens to be a dragon. I don't know why I tried to act as though that was like some kind of spoiler. Anyway, here is part of the trailer. Let's catch you up. My name is Raya. Our lands have been at war for as long as we can remember. Our people never see eye to eye. My daughter, I believe our people can come together again, but someone has to take the first step. Now, in order to restore peace, we must find the last dragon. I wish to join this fellowship of butt kickery. All right, that is the trailer for Ryan the Last Dragon. Um, so let's talk about it. We begin, as always, with our guest in our spoiler-free section. So when, what did you think of Ryan and the Last Dragon? All right. If I may just say, dry eye, what? I've been waiting for uh, 98 years, or I had to wait for 98 years for Disney to finally wake up and like, hey, let's make a movie for Win and for people like him. And of course, I ate it all up, and not just because it's uh, it's about it's about my culture, but because it's also fundamentally a really entertaining film. It's um, just you know from the from the most like bare bones of it all, like just take it as a as an adventure. Awesome! It's it's fun. It's fast. It's fierce but as an adventure that is or that has elements about uh, my people and my culture that's not that's an added bonus i see myself in that film so it's so it's a really personal ride and it's all around uh entertaining all right robin bar uh i thought it was utterly really beautiful i I really responded to the color palette. I mean, it's such a such a feast of teals and purples, and I just fell in love with the with the with the hues. Um, they were just so beautiful, and I especially thought the animation of the environment. Um, obviously, this is based in a in a fantasy world that is informed by Southeast Asian cultures. Um, and it uses environment so well from the animation of the water scenes and so much of so much of the time in the film is spent on the water or in rain or swimming or being on a boat and you can feel the moistness in the air that humidity um it was it was so well done so evocative and it reminded me of moana in the sense of the the use of environment and the use of these these natural, um, these natural indicators, um, like the way that the water looked in Moana. Uh, that's how I felt about the water, the use of water in Raya and the last dragon. I did struggle a little bit with the story. It felt kind of overly plotted to me. Um, it felt kind of like the beginning of a, of a franchise. Like they, I will get into spoilers later, but you're introduced to so many different cultures within this story. And you're like, Oh, this could be a spinoff. That could be a, its own, you know, Disney channel show this or that. So it felt a little, little overwhelming for roughly a two hour movie. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was, it was a fun action packed film and everybody's faces in this movie just looked so different, <laughs> you know, unlike the sort of, 
blobs or stylized blobs that you see in some other um, some other 3D animated films, everybody's faces in this story just looked so unique, so different. You could really tell these characters apart, unlike in, say, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, where it just looks sort of like round face, round nose, <laughs> you know, it's just, it, it, it didn't rely on the stylization that we're so used to in like kitty type Pixar cartoons. How um, dare you badmouth Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. In that, it's a fun film. It's a fun <laughs> film, but I wouldn't say like the animation was really like evocative um, in the way that it wasn't in, in this movie. So I, I'm willing to forgive some of the plottiness or some of the, derivative nature of the monomythic story because the because the aesthetics were just so overwhelming and so lovely all right bill graham so i was definitely looking forward to this um like Robin, I had appreciated Moana and kind of what they did with that um and i hadn't heard that much about this this film uh coming in um usually i'm a little bit more up on it in terms of uh the pixar side of things so uh some of the walt disney animation uh stuff kind of falls to the wayside in terms of what catches my attention but um as soon as i heard about this one uh you know it had some very cute teaser trailers put out originally uh maybe a month or so ago and uh good stuff there so the humor the action all of that is definitely on point um i struggled with the story a little bit i feel like yes robin i do feel like it is a little overpacked. um but I will say that it does move through its story pretty quickly it is only 107 minutes and uh you know i'm a i'm a big fan of anything under two hours and of course most <laughs> Most animated films uh, are, you know, sub two hours. Uh, generally, they're usually around that 90 minute mark. Um, so, you know, I I enjoyed that aspect of it because it does move fast. But it, it there was just something that I can't really put my finger on that was missing from this film. It had all the elements that I really enjoy. Um I think one of my favorite Walt Disney films of the last kind of decade or so is actually Tangled. And uh, that film just just has something different to it. Um, And I'm not sure what what it is that's missing uh, from this particular movie, Um, but it just didn't catch me the way I wanted. I, I haven't really fallen in love with with very many of the Walt Disney films in the last few years. And of course, you know, Frozen two is what it is as well so um they're not exactly to me on a on a winning streak but um i I think this film has a lot going for it and it's unfortunate because it puts itself behind the eight ball in a lot of ways um but i think it's representation and i think you know it is doing so much heavy lifting in in that kind of zone that I, I just feel like it's almost overburdened with it. Um, but 
I I did enjoy it ultimately, but it's just not quite something that I'm I'm gonna rush out and uh, and go see again or you know recommend to my friends necessarily. But uh, you know I I definitely still enjoyed it. Um, Tuk Tuk is always gonna be you know my number one guy. But yeah, <laughs> you know it's funny that you mentioned that you wouldn't want to rush out to see it. again. Again, because uh, talking with my friend who reviewed this film, we both said as soon as we can go back into theaters, like as soon as, you know, everybody has vaccines and everything, this Mm -hmm. is the exact film that we would want to see on the big screen, no doubt, because it was just um, so lush to look at, so verdant. And I think I would be able to take in the, the, uh, that plot or take in, you know, all the story better if I see it on the big screen. And I don't feel that way about every movie. I'm very happy to watch things on my, my laptop or my 60 inch, you know, TV screen. This is the exact movie I want to see big. (laughs) Yeah. Here, here. And I mean, my reason for sprinting at the theater to rewatch this again would be, well, there's the colors and, you know, there's the, uh, again, the representation aspect of it, but you know, the, the chief factor is James Newton Howard's beautiful score. Mm-hmm. Again, I had mm-hmm. wished that, you know, we had a, uh, you know, a Southeast Asian or, you know, at the very least, <laughs> an Asian composer. But yeah. James Newton Howard's, uh, Howard's work here is, you know, it's, it, it's simply beautiful and it's also respectful as well. It's grand, it's grand, it's epic, and it's... Um, it's sophisticated as well. It's it's just as lush as the visuals that you uh, uh, describe, Robin. And, you know, it's also pretty fun as well just to see how, you know, that score will work with, uh, you know, the proper uh, sound arrangement, proper speaker arrangement of right. your favorite theater and all that. <laughs> and it's just because this is the second time. Interestingly, James Newton Howard is scoring for a... Uh, Disney animation film that is mm. about, uh, you know, a character and uh, they are in a new world and at the center of their adventure is something that is gemstone related. <laughs> Atlantis, the Lost Empire. Guys, oh, wow. You know, watching this and knowing that it's uh, James Newton Howard is scoring this really reminds me of that. And yeah, that's what and yeah, confession time, I guess. <laughs> Admittedly, right after checking Ryan the Last Dragon, I popped in my uh, DVD of Atlantis uh, the Lost Empire. It nice. rocks. That's a good movie. I've never seen it. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> it was part of my rejection of Disney as I moved into puberty phase. Mm, but see, that's <laughs> the, the funny thing is that that movie was definitely made to try to court people like you. Because it's Boys. like, it's action. There's no singing. It's a grown-up story. There's like boys. explosions and shit and guns. Yeah, definitely boys. <laughs> yeah. Well, and girls too, obviously, not to be so gentle. I was about to say, most of the people I know who love Atlantis are like, are, are women who are like, Milo's my ideal man. And I'm like, yeah, all right. I get it. I was, a, I was like a girly girl at that time. Uh, I still am very... Femme, femme oriented but yeah that would have been like a nope for me at age 11 or 12 so you were like real big <laughs> on little mermaid um 
No, actually. My Disney my Disney princess was Aurora. Oh man, I love oh. Aurora. Yeah. It's like real pink. <laughs> <laughs> or blue, you know, depending on which fairy is shooting her magic. Um glad that I'm able to just really rock all my Disney knowledge right now, apparently. Because I have a four-year-old and I've been showing yeah, her right. a lot of Disney That's- movies. <laughs> yeah. Um so I so it's weird for me because like my my daughter was super into the little mermaid for a while and would like constantly ask to watch the little mermaid and I would be like all right fine let's watch the goddamn little mermaid again but like the second that that fish jumps off of that boat and the 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 you know the the strains of start playing I'm like oh man I'm in love with this movie mm-hmm. um and it's it's like that for a lot of movies the uh, of the the Disney Renaissance and whatever. And I mean, like I love Sleeping Beauty. I was never a fan of Snow White, right? It's She's the one with the dwarves. Movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. itself is not great, but then you cannot deny the tech that it applied. Oh my god! Time. I mean, it's oh, yeah, it's absolutely. it's amazing. But so what's interesting is that that's kind of my reaction to this movie is like the the the. I don't like what we've talked about, like the colors and the lights and the everything, the camera movements and everything is really good in this movie, like stunning, just amazing. But I feel like this movie is hedging closer to the same problem I have with like blue sky animation and and some other things where it's it's almost like they're they're trying to get away from classical storytelling and be a little more contemporary. And mm-hmm. I don't know how I feel about that. So like these two young girls are talking about formal wear and dragons and the, the, the language they're using feels like what you might've heard, like a 12 year old using in a mall, like a decade ago, you know, example, and uh-huh. like when they, Oh God, I don't know. I don't remember the exact words, but like they, they just use. No, I, I I I get it. He he's he, like they definitely seem like the language that they're utilizing is not necessary. And you know th- this film isn't necessarily a period piece. I wouldn't say. I don't know. It, I mean, obviously we're dealing with dragons. So whether you believe in dragons or not, I don't I don't know what they don't have you, any but... cell phones, but they still talk like people who are probably on TikTok right now. Yes, like like they, yeah, they definitely no, the modernized dialogue. this speech yeah yeah right. they, they say on the regular at some point and i'm like uh. yeah they say on the regular I mean, they go just, boom goes the dynamite which is fine because yeah. it's a little kid who's a chef and i love that um also i want to try whatever he made because if it's that spicy that oh a dragon's God, having shrimp. issues with it i'm, I'm <laughs> here for in it. this movie i just wanted to pop all those shrimp Oh, yeah. the food. They spared no expense in drawing the food. The, in this film. Looking down into that broth with the stomach. Anyway, I'm sorry. I already ate today, but I'm very hungry because I've started dieting and exercising and my body is burning calories and I just want to eat everything. But anyway, I, so like I have... Mangoes? I don't want any mangoes. I'm going to have an apple later. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like there's a little bit of that where I just, I don't know, I like I, I tense up a little bit. Like there's something about it that I just, mm-hmm. it feels like it's not trusting the story, which is nuts because there's so much story here to trust. And it's all about trust. I mean, that's the primary yeah. theme. <laughs> like they, they do say on the regular, I, uh, I wish that I had, you know, if I, if I wasn't watching this movie with a four-year-old sitting on me, maybe I would have, uh, remembered the exact line but like when they're talking they're talking about like the things that they have in common 
And they say something about like, you know, formal wear and stuff. And, you know, they call themselves dragon nerds, which is fine. But like, again, it just feels like it's a very contemporary thing. And I think I liked things like, you know, just leaning in a little more because like clearly it's not a real time more timeless. <laughs> right. Because I feel yeah. like it's going to age pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, I agree. But I, I didn't Mulan have a similar problem. And, and Mulan, I think, is one of the only Disney films that actually takes place in a real right in a real time period in a real place whereas like yeah because the little mermaid it's like i don't know maybe it's france maybe it's not france maybe it's somewhere else you know yeah i would say it's denmark i'm with the denmark camp i have that's fine i don't know (laughs) 19th century ish i don't know like that's what i kind of like about um fake euro disney or like merry <laughs> europe disney is mm-hmm. that it's sort of nobody knows the time period it could be 15th century or 13th but it's we know that it's not re- in a real place it's in this uh, collective imagination of what europe was right. and that's what i really liked about this film is that it's not any one uh country or nation or even like this idea of a nation in you know what we think of a southeast asia it it's it's a it's a fantasy version of whatever those cultures existed then and that's why i i really liked it it didn't try to pinpoint any one thing it made it just as kind of luminous and accessible as any other traditional disney film that relies on you know eurocentricity yeah which i'm which i'm cool with but like like Moana, for instance, had a um, like a, a, a Moana had a modern like spunkiness to her, but I don't feel like they leaned into that so much with the dialogue and the attitude. But anyway, I don't know. That was that was a thing that bugged me that I never really got over. But um, I mean, generally, like I said, this movie is beautiful. The action is great. I think the message is sort of shallow and pat, but I mean, it's still a good message, and it's for children, so why not? I um. I do. I did find myself kind of wishing in a way that I don't usually do with movies like that. This was a like a series or that it was longer mm-hmm. or that something like because yeah. there's so much going on that first the first info dump that you get. I was like, oh, God, my daughter is lost already. I, <laughs> there's nothing like they, they're like, oh, they were like the we were one place and then the 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 purple demon creatures that's name I can't remember came along and then the dragons and then this thing happened and people were still, but then they weren't, but then the dragons were. And I was just like, I'm lost. And my daughter is lost. It was the beginning lost. of, of watership down. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's also the kind of the beginning of Moana. It's that same thing where they're like, we got a lot of mythology to plow through. So we're just going to have an info dump and then we're going to have another thing. And then we're going to get to like the main action six years later. And I, you know, it's, but like, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with that. I think my daughter struggled with it a bit. Um, She kept asking where all the people were. And I was like, they're, they're, they're stoned or they're dead or something. I don't know. There's a lot going on. Uh, One of the more heartbreaking aspects, and this has nothing to do with the movie. uh, When we first meet Raya, both times, I guess, um, both in her kind of first, you know, rolling through the desert thing. And then when she's infiltrating a temple, she's wearing a mask. Mm-hmm. And my daughter legitimately said, "Why is she wearing a mask?" And I was like, "I don't know," because you know, I didn't, I didn't really know. Um, 
And she said, oh, she doesn't want to get sick. And I was like, oh, God damn it. Well, raising a child during a <laughs> pandemic is depressing. Well, in a way, that's true, because uh, I think they did kind of like uh, characterize the, you know, the screechy, uh, formless demons. The, they're called a drone, by the way, um, mm-hmm. as kind of like a plague that yeah. uh, ravages yeah. the land. So, you know, that, uh, you know, I, I, I like your explanation. Yeah, um, that's that's exactly how I saw it. And that one of the things I liked about this film is that instead of having just like another evil empire or another weird creature come and want to destroy things for the sake of it, there were these kind of uh, these creatures, I guess they're creatures, these balls of energy lacking sentience who are just there and it's bad. And I, it reminded me of coronavirus, frankly. Are they lacking like, sentience? I think so. I mean, they're just sort of, they just sort of exist and they roam and they take over things and viruses have no personality. I guess that's true. They turn people to stone and then multiply. Yeah. I mean, if anything felt like a a metaphor for our current experience, this movie certainly did. I guess so. Sure. Um, But yeah, you got to trust. And none of us are working together and it's all just kind of like states doing their own thing and there's no federal Mm. oversight anyway. Self-interest. Yeah, I could see this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I've I've definitely heard some criticisms that this is the most left-leaning Disney film and I was just like, that's some bullshit, but okay, (laughs) go with that, sir. I don't understand how this is that left-leaning. It's just saying trust people i mean like here's the thing i if i if i really wanted to i could start picking apart this movie but i think in general it is a it is a gorgeous action-packed you know beautifully scored very well voice acted film and there are many many worse films and i i really quite enjoyed it um and my daughter asked me to turn it off halfway through but then at the end she said she liked it so you know what do kids know it was a journey <laughs> it, was, it was a real it was a real journey um and she i don't know she seemed to like the dragon but then afterwards when i asked her if she liked the dragon she uh claimed that she did not but she did like raya so who knows i'm yes. sure she'll have a different opinion tomorrow yep 100 percent. um and then we she went to mcdonald's today pronounce. and the toys are ryan the last dragon and she got a raya nice. and she was super happy about it there you nice. go nice were we, you were saying something earlier when we didn't mean to cut you off. Uh, oh, no, I was just, uh, you know, I was just, you know, appreciate that, uh, you know, um, not not only just uh, your daughter, but also like a whole lot of, uh, you know, other uh, mutuals on Twitter. They said that, you know, their, their children are very responsive to this film as well. And, you know, for for particularly for um how do you say it? Like children of um, of mutuals who are you know are Asians, but also are dark skinned Asians. Mm. They really they really see themselves in Raya, or you know, or in this world even. So you know that's something that I'm very happy about because you know light skinning characters uh, that is an issue. And I don't know if you uh, if you all have uh, read the news today or something like that, uh, or you know maybe you have already. But 
uh, Lovecraft Country, an extra on that show, <laughs> said that you know her skin was her skin had to be lightened in order to you know act out the scene, and she couldn't voice her uh, you know her her criticism of that because she was sitting between two big stars at that moment, and you know a lot a lot of, uh, was going through her minds and all that, but. You know, for a character that's not only Southeast Asian but also dark skin, I see that as kind of like pretty much a leap, or like a good one. Mm. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. Colorism is such a huge issue uh, throughout Hollywood, obviously throughout the world, but absolutely, definitely throughout Hollywood. And I think uh, I had read about the Lovecraft Country issue, and from what I understood, there was a, a fairly light-skinned black woman who was an extra and they darkened her. I think they like use dark makeup on her so that she could. Oh yeah. That's look the thing. I think yeah. I got it the other way around. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you well, even that. still, it would have been pretty disturbing either way around. Um, <laughs> but what was shocking about this, I think is that they, instead of just hiring a dark skinned black woman to, who was going to play the younger version of a character on the show, they just hired a light-skinned woman and and use dark makeup on her so it's almost like mimicking blackface or um mi- mm-hmm. minstrelsy to some degree and i think that was very very shocking for some people it, it certainly shocked me and i think your point when about colorism um and the fact that kids dark darker skinned uh, maybe southeast asian kids or asian kids i mean <laughs> you don't have to be southeast asian um to to understand that there are many minority um minorities but like ethnic minorities in different areas of of asia where i think the the colorism definitely comes comes through culturally from at least from what i've read um so i think that's a it's a very good point yeah all all this is is just kind of going back to, I mean, even even when Moana came out, right? There was there was a big groundswell of like how much how much that actually delved into the culture and and things of that nature, especially for you know the Pacific Islanders and and things like that. And um, you know, it, it is interesting and and sad that I guess it it appears that a lot of the main cast and crew on this film isn't actually from Southeast Asia, which Mm -hmm. is just, you know, it's, it's just one of those things where it just makes you kind of smack your forehead and just go, why, why would you go so many steps to get to this point? And then, and then at the end, and I mean, honestly, like the voice cast comes in generally, you know, with three months to go before the film's done, right? Like, I mean, they are not recording this way ahead of time. They're doing this way late in the game. Uh, Most of the animation is pretty much finished by the time a lot of these voice actors get involved. And so you would just figure that they would be able to nail down some some more, um, you know, or not period centric, but you know, at least some Southeast Asian voices. And they certainly got a few. Uh, I think Benedict Wong is, is one of the main ones that's, that's actually, uh, part of that. But I mean, it, it is kind of sad that it's, 
it's like, okay, you, you did all of this and then, you know, you, you kind of fumbled, fumbled the ball at the, at the goal line. I, I, I don't understand why this kind of stuff seems to constantly crop up where, where they get so much of it right. And then they, they just do something boneheaded in that way. And it's just, it just feels, it feels like they're taking two steps forward and then one step back right at the last moment. Yeah. And when I think you alluded to this too earlier, uh, talking about the fact that they did, they should have gotten at least somebody who was of Asian descent to do the music. Um, and I think it might be surprising to some folks too, to learn that the director, um, the directors are, are not, um, of Asian origin or I, maybe I'm incorrect about that. I, I don't think they were, I know the writers were, um, the two screenwriters that they, that they got. Um, so I, I don't know. I think I agree with you. It's, it's one step forward, two steps back or <laughs> two steps forward, one step back. Um, you, you're just kind of wonder all the time, like you couldn't go full bore. Like you, you, you had to, yeah, I don't know, I mean, make uh, concessions. <laughs> uh, I'll be real honest. The, the, the fact that uh, Kelly Marie Tran and Aquafina are are voice characters in this film isn't isn't going to be the selling point, right? Like I I didn't even know Aquafina was Sisu, so you know what? until until what? I mean until I showed up at the movie, right? So until I, I watched the movie, I didn't realize it was it was Aquafina that was the voice cast. Like that that didn't that that was never something that I was like, oh yeah, Aquafina's in this film. Like no. Like and she does a great job. I, I actually liked her job on on the dragon quite a bit because you know you're, you're supposed to have this fearsome dragon and you know all this mystique is built up and then and then it's aquafina just being a goofy you know uh character and so that that was a lot of fun to kind of see that represented in her voice and everything like that but i mean you know the again those are not the two selling points for me for this film it's it's how it looks well, it's I mean, how, how often it in sounds any, in any animated film is the voice cast like sure like oh and, owen wilson is a car i've got to see that <laughs> well and, and that that has been my my criticism of of certain films in the past is is they put too much emphasis you know when when shark tale is front and center about <laughs> the fact that will smith is you know the main character you're like who the fuck cares that's I don't, a, I don't that's care. a big dreamworks issue i feel like dreamworks yes. is definitely in that pixar again with the cars pixar sideline yeah, but like, well, you know, oftentimes cars, they don't. Scorsese's in Shark Tale. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Marty. Yeah. Why are you doing yeah. us? Like, I'm surprised that more people don't hit him with that when he's talking about what's cinema. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, uh, oh, really? But- Martin Scorsese of Shark Tale? <laughs> <laughs> but like, if you think about like, like, um, like, uh, I don't know, Up and, uh, uh, what's what's the uh what was the, what was the other one i was just thinking of well, what, i mean what about oh, like ratatouille and i'm just here like who is the, there is a human main character and i have no idea who's playing him and i kind of yeah. like this <clears throat> brad bird films in general uh, he likes to uh he likes to uh employ um not really well-known actors and 
I would just say that, you know, that, that that's a great move. How dare you say that Craig T. Nelson is not a really well-known actor? <laughs> well, overall, you know, like we all know Craig T. Nelson. If we love Poltergeist, is is this a Poltergeist? <laughs> is this a Poltergeist hive? Please say yes. Yeah, I, was about I haven't to say. seen it since I was a kid. It's uh, the visuals still freak me out. It's always about to say I, I haven't revisited it? it because I am like, um, I don't know. I got pretty scared of that when I was a kid, and I don't need to go back. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly why I haven't rewatched <laughs> yes. it. It still freaks me out. The trauma's fresh still. I'll be fine. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's interesting to me, like showing my daughter all these all these movies. And um, like I said, like she watched Minari with me and it's kind of nice to see her just like fully no questions asked, accepting like people who look completely different from her and speak different languages than her and everything like it's it's just it's i don't know it's nice it's incredible it's really good to to see that and feel that and like not have to be worried about her like when i'm out in public with her be like why does that person look weird like that's that's just never come up and Mm -hmm. um it's that's good (laughs) right because i'm I'm like, you know, children can be incredibly cruel without meaning to be. <laughs> um, and me, I can be cruel and I mean it. Yes. <laughs> but All it's right. just, I'll be, it's, I'll be careful. For now. <laughs> it's one of those things where you're like, yeah, like these movies like are, you know, just sometimes like popcorn fun and stuff. But also like, yeah, if you if you watch a wide swath of stuff and if and if something like this gets the push of a company like Disney, then that's more people being brought into a fold of like, yeah, you like this. It, this is just the way the world is. Like you don't realize that there's other people out there than you. It's a lot different than like Aladdin, where I remember seeing that as a child, and I was like, is this a is this a real place? Like do people like, do people dress and act like this? It's just like my parents going, uh, not really. No. <laughs> It's like a Jewish vaudeville version of Arabia. <laughs> oh, that's a lovely description for it. Is, it is funny, though, because Ryan the Last Dragon made me think of... of I mean, this movie made me think of a lot of other movies. It made me think of Mad Max. It made me think of um, The Force Awakens. Oh, yes. It made me think of... Nausicaa, Valley of the Wind. Right, there Brotherhood of the Wolf, um, if anyone has oh, seen yeah, that, Brotherhood. with the sword. Yes. Specifically, the, like, really just only the sword. I mm-hmm. saw that. And I was like, "Oh, someone watched Brotherhood of the Wolf," um, <laughs> and then, uh, like the 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 dragon, obviously, made me think of the genie, and I don't know. That was just one of those things where I was like, "This movie's pulling from a lot," and I'm enjoying it. And um, also, I just need to shout out that um, Alan Tudyk once again gets a very strange role in one of these movies. He is the oh voice of Tuk Tuk. My, I, so I said to my husband, oh, guess who's playing Tuk Tuk? And he's like, Alan Tudyk. And I'm like, yes, actually. And he's like, oh, he was freaking plays <laughs> same little like weird creature. Well, because they got him and they were like, you know, we've got this new CGI era of like Disney. And, you know, Alan Tudyk is going to be like our John Ratzenberger. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's good, we've, though. We've, he is very we've good. like dedicated ourselves to exploring different cultures in like a, a vaguely sensitive way now. We still want Alan, but he can't be a main character. And he's just like, you want me to be a chicken? 
You want me to be an armadillo uh, hedgehog thing? I can do that. Like, like real, real, real. That chicken is the worst part of Moana by far. <laughs> I, fucking, I fucking hate, hate that, that chicken. Uh, the worst no. thing about it is that they they draw you in with the cute ass little pig. Yes, the bait and switch it still goes down in history as as one of my biggest disappointments in any Disney movie that I've watched. I was Speaking. like, "All right, we're gonna get this pig. Like, this is gonna be this adorable we got little that pig. fucking idiot chicken." God, I like that chicken. I didn't. I don't remember very much about that movie because I fell asleep halfway through. But right. I. I was definitely into the chicken. <laughs> I, the, hey, the part... my zodiac sign is a kid, is the chicken, so be nice, huh? Okay. Well, my, one of my favorite parts of Moana is when she realizes that the chicken's on the boat, and then the chicken realizes that he's on a boat, and he starts screaming. <laughs> exactly. You know, you know what's funny though? Good so like comedy work. Yeah, no, it's perfect. My daughter did not have a lot of very strong reactions to this movie. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna say like, hey, we're gonna go into spoilers now. Um, yeah. I don't even think this counts as a spoiler, but so one of her strong reactions, because again, she was watching and she'd ask questions and stuff, but the only times that she really, like really locked into a detail and needed a lot of explanation and seemed upset by it is when we cut to six years later. And then we realized that the the thing that she's riding is Tuk Tuk. Mm-hmm. And um, my daughter was like, Who's that? And I said, that's that's the little roly poly uh, armadillo thing. That's that's Tuk Tuk. And she's like, he was small. And I said, yeah, but he he grew up. She's like, I don't want him to grow up. I want him small. And I was like, I don't. There's nothing I can do about that. The movie has made its choice. She was like, like her Peter Pan moment. She's like, he was right. cute or small. And I was like, I agree with you, <laughs> but well, he's big now. Well, you he's can. So and and you he's useful, immortal. Finally, he has a job. Yeah, he had a and... job when he was little. He set off all the traps. Oh, I well, he was more of like an emotional support tuk-tuk. Yeah, and think of the uh, big tuk-tuk as what? Kind of like you upgrading from a Corolla to a Ferrari, perhaps? Or from a four-cylinder <laughs> to a V8? I was about to say <laughs> a moped to and a Hummer, what? but yeah, that's... And if- yeah, and if you need to, you know, keep tuk-tuk small, then immortalize the character with a tuk-tuk plushie. Yeah, was, get her a plushie. So what's fun? No, because she already I has her. I would get three. <laughs> I need a. I need a. I need a Sphero Tuk Tuk. That's what I need. What's that? You know how the, when oh, BB-8 came okay. out, they had the little BB-8s you could buy and like roll, roll you around oh, with your yeah. phone. Oh, so oh. I need a Tuk Tuk Sphero. Um, that's another thing I was gonna that say. So like, awesome. in addition to girl in desert riding, you know, astride some sort of thing, I was like, oh, that's Force Awakens, and then. Just like when I saw Tuk Tuk roll into a ball and start following her, I was like, oh, she's got a BB-8 too. Yeah, that, that's exactly what it felt like to me. Although, I mean, visually, it just it really, really reminded me of Nausicaa in the Valley of the Wind. Um, and, and if you look at some of the the posters from that movie or even just some of the stills, it, it is it is like really visual pastiche to that movie. Although aside from that, it doesn't like it, it's not like it matches the the story quite a bit but there are sort of elements of princess mononoke and studio ghibli's like whole environmentalism thing i think it really came through in this movie even though it's mm-hmm. even this movie's ostensibly about diplomacy uh yeah, you this movie's not so much about the environment <laughs> but but it kind of is in some ways 
because you're you're all coming together to save this place and well and, and the the water has kind of dried up in a lot of these yeah locations. exactly mm-hmm. exactly and, and that's that's definitely like a a impending doom is like these drune drune is that it yeah I think uh, the drune like are apparently water phobic or whatever and so it's like oh okay perfect like now now that they've you know basically banished all dragons now all of a sudden everything's drying up and so the drone can kind of run rampant over a lot of these places i thought i thought a lot of the kind of uh visual landscape kind of architecture stuff that they did in this film is is really really interesting a lot of these yeah. uh different areas uh whether it's spine fang talon stuff like that um which you know i i really like that kind of uh the idea that they basically uh, named all their all their locations after you know pieces of a dragon and and well, all because they were stuff, on like but... the lake that looked like a dragon and it you know kind of made sense to me. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean I I, I really like that though. I, it's kind of it, it like is the visual <laughs> detail that they like a lot of these areas are very visually distinctive from oh, yeah. one another. Yeah, yeah. you're not going to yeah. these places. Yeah, and on top of that, all the uh, uh, Southeast Asian nations that uh, they took inspiration from and even some of the animators would travel to, uh, they all have one thing in common is that their reverence of the dragon in yeah. in aspects of their life. If it's not dragon boat racing, then the dragon will be on their flags or, you know, they have a, a dragon in their midst as in, you know, because the dragon did this, that's why we have so-and-so. Kind of deal. So mm. it's interesting it's a, that like dragons are like a are like a That's giant a international thing. I just love that everyone independently or like you know as a unit was like dragons, right? And everyone's like, oh shit, yeah, dragons. <laughs> yeah, I mean the shape of uh, uh, Vietnam. They said that it's it's a dragon. <laughs> love hmm. it. I didn't know that. I read that, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but I read somewhere recently that each of the many nations within this film sort of correspond with uh like real life cultures like they were saying that mm-hmm. um correct the the night market i forget the name of the night market uh area but that was supposed to be like based in in thailand i think it was then... talon wasn't it talon i i don't remember which one. again it was like too many details for me i can only right so i know that tail is the desert i know that fang is the people with the cats even though the cats Mm -hmm. didn't come into it as much as i thought it would when they actually went there i know that (laughs) heart which is water that's true um i know that heart which is like the most uh, just like it i I don't know what it is with me but i'm like so some of these people are like tail talon spine and uh we're heart really (laughs) That's the what you went for. You didn't go for like chest. You went for heart. <laughs> of course you did. Of course you did, uh, Benja. Um yeah. so but yeah, it's it's um Tail was the desert place, Fang was the uh the people with the cats on their little uh, made up peninsula thing. And mm-hmm. then Spine was the snow place where only one guy was still alive, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the bamboo forest. Yeah, and then Talon was the the night market. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that was my my favorite one um, because it was that so was visual. definitely yeah. I mean, Tail is 
Tail's always going to be everyone's least favorite one, right? Because it's basically <laughs> just a giant desert and they run into like one other human being who's not hostile. Okay, hold on. Uh, I, I'm reading, we'll, we'll have to talk about Con Baby a little bit, but uh, <laughs> Con, Con Baby is also uh, surrounded, Wikipedia is saying that they are a trio of monkey-like companions? What what the fuck does that mean? Well, because does- this, this is a, a, a world of fantasy. They've got mice with rainbow spines. The, the, the boat captain says that whatever those things are have like nine stomachs. So they are. Oh, they, I, they I definitely he was just making fun of them. No, oh, okay. they definitely appear no. to be monkeys, but they are a monkey-like creature. Ongies. Oh. They're ongies. Okay. Oh, okay. Is is, is that a is that a thing? Ongies? No, uh. it's 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 not. It's again one okay. of those um, you know amal- amalgamations of uh, you know elements that are already there, mm-hmm. which is uh, again kind of oh, a, 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 a little bit a little bit problematic a little bit uh racist not really no it's <laughs> reductive no, it's, fine. But it's just yes reductive thank you and it's okay, not really right. vibing with me with the you know how they try to um introduce a culture that is new to cinema as again like a 50 50 or a 40 60 kind of version of it but they can never go a full way 100 percent. but then i just hope that with the uh, you know, with the with the buzz that Raya is having right now, maybe that will just you know let the let the mouse opens its third eye <laughs> and then just say that okay, they do want a film about uh, the Vietnamese. They do want a full feature about uh, strictly uh, Thai stories, Indonesian stories, Malaysian stories, so on and so forth. Uh, something specific like. Uh, Coco, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with you. It, I, I think I know what you mean. Where it's just like, okay, we're gonna take this, uh, we're gonna take this place and and turn it into a monolith, and that's what mm-hmm. it felt a little. And I, and I get um, wanting to be sort of playful with it, and that's and it's it's definitely playful. But you know, you watch Beauty and the Beast, and you're like, this is France, mm-hmm. and you watch the frozen films and you're like this is norway and so they're very right, very specific right. in their in their pastiche or their or their references like you and you know it's all wink wink and in this film you're like oh it's all of those places it it's creating it's it pretends that southeast asian culture is quote unquote southeast asian culture it's this is this one giant thing when there's actually a lot more nuance in there well, I mean, yeah. that's when you have these places that have historically been imagined by white people as the same thing, <laughs> you know, it's like, ah, oh, yes, the glorious Orient or, you know, whatever, the Far East. And it's like, OK, but that's like there's a lot of people there, man. Like, you can't just say that. I remember in college um, I worked for and this is super weird because I'm like an Irish Italian with like a little bit of Mexican mixed in. But I was a reporter for a a publication that was specifically pitched at the Asian student body um, because they needed writers and I was willing to do it. Um, And it was, you know, it was Asian and Pacific Islander. That's Mm. a lot of people. That's a lot of different disparate things. And like whenever 
we would have production meetings i was like you know that's that's such a big like is it is it cool that we're saying that like those are very disparate cultures and people to throw in a in a mash together and they're like this is just how we have to pitch it oh like we can't get too granular it's gonna it's gonna drive people nuts like we have to come together as people with like the barest sense of shared identity and history and just work through it and i was like okay i just want to make sure because you were aware that i am a white writer who's going out and talking to people so i'm confusing to begin with (laughs) it was a it was a weird time i um but i liked it it was fun yeah it it's definitely uh it can i'm sure it's, it's frustrating so it's like Okay, give us your your love kernels. Like, give us give us these little crumbs. <laughs> well, it's from Crazy Ex Girlfriend, but it's oh. this idea that like, oh, we will we will accept <clears throat> your little crumbs of of fondness or affection when what you want is the whole damn cake. And I mm-hmm. I think that's what you're getting at a little bit. When is this idea that like you love that this repre- that this is representation? Like you've talked a little bit about this. Um, you see yourself in some of these characters. You see people who look like you, who maybe eat eat like you, and all of these things. But it's it's also kind of smoothing out some of those details that you wish you would have seen. Is that is that a correct interpretation of what you're saying? Yeah, I would say yeah, I would say so definitely. And it's just uh, it's just because that you know when you uh, go go a level deeper. Uh, combining these cultures, uh, these Southeast Asian cultures together, it's uh, kind of like not exactly a good idea. It's just because, <laughs> for example, uh, I I don't know why, but then my brain was just automatically wired in a way to see that, oh, okay, Heartland is uh, Vietnam and Fang Land is uh, Cambodia. But, you know, it's you know, now they're together in the same place, but then when I am totally aware that, you know, out in the real world, Vietnam and, uh, and uh, Cambodia, they're really tense, you know, the, the friction mm-hmm. between them is kind of huge and long lasting, uh, you know, because in the past, uh, Vietnam would uh, uh, carry out the border raids on Cambodia and mm-hmm. Cambodia actually lost and we actually have parts of <laughs> their lands today on the map so you know wow. you know put, putting them together is just uh, well that's I'm, one I'm of the not funny... sure about this sandwich I didn't know much about this movie before we even started talking about doing a podcast on it and we were talking about like representation I was like I you have like, forgive my ignorance I thought this was like a made up fantasy land <laughs> And I didn't realize at that time the depths to which like they went to try to do this representation by region thing. And so, yeah, like watching it, I was like, I don't know how I feel about this. It's very mm-hmm. odd. It's very strange. And I always do the kind of mental uh, exercise of like, what if like we applied this to like, you know, the just the United States or Europe. And it's just like one of these places is Ireland and the other one is Spain and the other one is the you know great britain or whatever and i'm just like i just don't know if that would fly i just don't know yes if it that does westeros game of thrones <laughs> but we see, do that's... it we enjoy it uh yeah that's also weird though because then like you go across the sea and it's like hey now we're i don't even know what you'd call the dothraki it's amsterdam it's the dothraki or amsterdam <laughs> 
no, 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 no. But there, there is an Amsterdam. It's like uh, the the banks, like area. Uh, oh, oh, yeah, the banks of Bravos. Yeah, yeah, thank exactly. you, Bill. Bravos, thank you, Bravos. Sorry. Bravos so what's Ireland? Ireland. Ireland. Ireland is like the, the um, not the Raiders. No, that's the Vikings. Anyway, the the point is. Right. We have a version of that. And that's why I liked this film. Is it because it, it didn't feel the need to get culturally specific and that it allowed for that fantasy space in the way that Disney has always done Europe as a sort of not real, real place. So I, I like that version of it. What I don't like is let's just mix all all of these cultures into a big soup which it, it literally does in the film yes right. yeah. <laughs> that is true but then you know to borrow that uh your bowl of soup uh philosophy it's uh this is why i kind of forgave the fusion and i thought that the fusion works in that sense it's just that um you know the uh mashing of all the cultures together it's kind of like a ball but then what goes into that soup, that's what matters. That's what you want to show the world. And, you know, the elements that they put in that bowl are, you know, the good ones, the one worthy of a thumbs up. Yeah. yeah. More than the I agree with you. Okay. So, so I want to. Oh, I'm sorry, Bill. Go, go ahead. ahead. Uh, okay. I, I was going to ask about the Droon. So I was waiting for the other shoe to drop on the Droon. And I don't know. You know, there may be some story left to tell in in this uh, world and and all of this stuff. But, um, you know, this film, so much of it is about trust, 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 trust. They keep they keep talking about over the head. (laughs) Yes. And, you know, a a part of it is it it, it really kind of sinks in very early into the film when when you see that kind of fallout between heart and fang and and everything that happens and you know why this this uh i don't even know what to call it this orb uh i don't want to call it a dragon ball but um <laughs> <laughs> i knew that would happen i knew that would happen um they, but they make a very orb- big point of always calling it a gem they're like we cannot yeah. call it a ball <laughs> Uh, the Dragon Gym, yeah, Guardians of the Dragon Gym. Uh, but yeah, so uh, the Dragon Gym, like you know, when they break this thing apart, it's it it's kind of heartbreaking at at the first point, and you know, especially as you start to realize, like you know, what what these uh, different places have done, but. Um, there's this moment when Raya and her group are kind of uh, looking at the drone as they're floating down the river and they're talking about like, you know, how much trust is involved. And I was really waiting for the drone to get a little bit more 3D aspect to them. And I was thinking that the drone were actually going to be sentient in a way and maybe they had a reason that they were doing what they were doing um i was really waiting for that to happen and it never does and i was just like whoa what the fuck did they (laughs) like i don't know if no bill we need a mass genocide of drone that's the (laughs) i i i mean you know i I don't i don't know what the the uh solution would have been there but i was i was really waiting for something to happen with the drone that kind of made them a little bit more 
more than just this kind of omnipresent kind of bad guy thing that that is just kind of on the outskirt. You so know? the only the only real uh, what's the word I'm looking for explanation we get for the druid is that like they're the opposite of a dragon and that like they're like a symptom of man's mistrust and greed and whatever. So it's imperialism. I know. Yes. I don't know. That's a good question. Um, maybe no. Cause I don't know. Like, unfortunately when they, I'm confused about the drone in many ways. First of all, like, yeah, you know, obviously the greed and mistrust and man and they, they but that, how does that, how does that manifest a drone? Like is a drone, a creature that does, but then also I was just confused because like, when people get turned to stone, they they put their hands in that certain way. Uh huh. Except yeah. mm-hmm. our heroes who get zapped into whatever they were doing last. Right. So like I don't know. I I'm I'm kind of with uh, Bill just in that I kept thinking like there's got to be more to these droon yeah. man. There's like right. got to be a thing that I'm missing. You know, because like well, and, to, well, like uh, what was. What was her face? The 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 lava lady in Moana, but she turned out to be Tafiti. You know, I was like, it's got to be something like that again, right? Yes, that's the one. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I'm no Druenologist, <laughs> but I just thought that you know it's interesting that the, they draw it. The you know they draw it, or you know they give the Druen the function in a way that you know when whenever one sweeps through you uh it seems like final fantasy the spirits within where your soul gets taken away and then you form into that pose um it seems like the drone itself is uh someone mentioned it earlier kind of like the the flip side of a dragon and Mm -hmm. so i would like to you know reference that point and you know if that's the case then it seems like the drone is also some form of a you know, higher up mystical being, kind of like a, a, a form of deity as well, which is why which is why that gesture for me, once your soul gets taken away and you turn to stone, it seems kind of like seems kind of like a prayer. It seems kind of like a, oh. almost like a gesture of respect, but then again, it seems way more solemn than uh, the way that you would uh, show your gesture of respect to the dragons. That yeah. is really interesting. I never, mm-hmm. I I really thought, I honestly thought it was a uh, a viral metaphor it is it is too it is too but uh but i like the idea that it's a that it's a demon or some kind of other worldly like a supernatural entity i mean they call it a plague right like they yeah yeah they did did. but you know you can have a plague of rice rice no a plague (laughs) of rodents i got rodents and mice mixed up and then at the same time I was going to say locusts and then my brain just shat out the word rice, a plague of rodents, a plague of locusts. Like it's a, it's a force sweeping the land, but it did. I don't know because they said like, it's like the anti-dragon. I just kept mm-hmm. expecting something about balance or like yeah. that. If, if, you know, if the drone were feeding on people that weren't mistrustful, maybe they'd be better in some way. I don't know. Like, oh, I, it's you hard... know what? I figured it out. Have have y'all seen uh, the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance or just the Dark Crystal? Love it. So this movie reminded me a lot of the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. And part of it is that immense world building. What I really liked about that show is that you have several episodes to really delve into these different cultures. And 
while they're trying to figure out, you know, why we're they're being colonized by this like set of weird aliens that look like birds uh, or dinosaur bird things. So I highly recommend that show. I think it is brilliant. Um, and it, it is very satisfying in a way that I felt like this film only sort of gave you a little bit of those cultures, but not really a big sense of, of what this unified world could look like. So the reason I mention this is because I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know if we have like dark crystal scholars uh, in this room right now, but (laughs) weren't the, weren't those creatures made up of those like wise men. Do you know what I'm talking about? (laughs) Am Uh, I just saying hot nonsense right now? Okay. Okay. I I, I see what you're getting at here. I see. Do you know what I mean? Like the duality, like you have, um, you have these wise men puppet type things Mm-hmm. And did they, didn't they turn into the Skeksis? Am I making that up? Mm. Okay, okay. Well, I, I see what you're getting at here. And, you know, it, it seems it, it's, it's valid because, uh, you know, um, I think they, well, they even show it. Uh, it's, the, it's the climax of Raya, actually, that, you know, when all the water is gone and then suddenly uh, all the uh, drone, they came out of nowhere but then it's uh, not <laughs> it's not actually really nowhere but it's just at the bottom of the whole body of water right there mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it seems like they were just waiting for some dryness to happen for so is that arid- for aridity to happen while- is that the oh. reason why they they the the dragons chose oh god my daughter kept calling her sushi because she's <laughs> for <laughs> It's Sisu, right? Yeah. Shit, Sisu. Sisu. Okay. No, right. no so, H. No H. <laughs> yeah, I know. But it was just funny because my daughter kept calling her Sushi. And I was like, I understand I that like you have trouble just, she couldn't pronounce the word tornado for a while. So like, you know, she's four. Um, but it just stuck in my head like that. So anyway, um, is that the reason why she was the one that the dragons t- chose to to survive? Because she was responsible for the water? She was the good swimmer. She is a strong swimmer. Okay. She's wicked and liquid. God damn it. <laughs> That's good. No. Anyway, <laughs> anyway. There was there was a point to my ramble and I and it had something to do with like duality and no. and Inverse inversion. No, no. So, so I'm reading about the the Skeksis, and it's the ten dark versions of the ten good Uru or mystics. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's supposed to be the duality there. Um, it's supposed to be the good versus the bad, right? Um, Mm -hmm. and I I do think that the dragons in in this way are kind of running rampant over this place and you know i guess in a lot of ways they're good but you know i guess there always is this kind of fascination with uh you know and and you hear this a lot in in western or eastern and all sorts of different philosophy is that they're they're I mean, hell, we just mentioned Star Wars, right? There's the balance of the force, right? There's There's got to be the dark with the light. There can't be one overbalance of it. And anytime there is a tipping of the scale, there's always a riding of that scale. And so I feel like maybe the, the Droon, which it, it does feel like this film pulls a punch in that everybody just fucking comes back. I, I didn't yeah. quite 
like I wasn't it's that digging Avengers that, that... Endgame kind of thing where it's just yeah. like, yeah, hey, we're back. Oh no, yeah. everything's yeah, changed. They didn't flip though. They didn't. Yeah. They've just been chilling <laughs> they, there. They come back and they're like, there. "Why am I covered in bird shit? What is going on here?" <laughs> but <clears throat> yeah, I I I didn't necessarily love that kind of flip. I again, I was I was really waiting for tr- trust to be part of what we were supposed to do with the with the drone. I thought maybe maybe in a way the drone were going to be something that you had to trust were were doing the right thing. And I was waiting for like a whole like alternate universe of like what's happening to these people that are statues that now oh, would have been. You know what's crazy? Like it the been, leftovers. What happened to them? It would have been awesome if it turns out that the dragons were the evil ones. And yeah, the yeah. Were like, like uh, something along uh, those lines. I, 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 th- I really like. I said, like the the film just hits you that's over a huge the head. Twist with trust. To go into I, I know, but but it's it's it, it hits you over the head with that trust thing for so long that you're like, am I supposed? And and like she was saying, we have to trust that you know, blah 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 blah. And it focused in on the drone while she was saying, like, going on about that. And I was just like, they're really hammering this and, like, indicating to me that there is going to be a twist there where I have to trust the drone. And in a way, they kind of – I actually really like the what they had to do in the end when they had to put the different pieces of the of the gym back together and they had to kind of make their sacrifice all as one. I really thought that that sequence was really, really beautiful and and it kind of really kind of put everything in that nutshell way that that a lot of these animated films are really good about doing. But I I like I said, I was just waiting for them to just be like Maybe we're supposed to sacrifice each other and then, oh, look, now everything's great. And it's like, oh, maybe maybe getting sacrifice isn't actually like a bad thing. Maybe maybe being a stone version is how we move on from this world or well, something. I, I don't know. C- it was Cisu, it was weird. Sisu, someone help me. <laughs> yeah. Cisu, OK, great. Is constantly saying, like, we need to come bearing gifts. Like, that's the way to do it. And then I was like, oh, like how those stones have their hands out as though offering a gift. But that didn't come to anything. I was I was really overplaying myself um, in so the way of most modern audiences. Oh, so it's a complex plot with kind of a simple... Right. It's, it, it, it's it's building up so much and there's so much kind of a spirituality behind it that, like I said earlier, the the the, the end goal of the plot is very pat like the message is super simple it just it felt like it was gonna go for something more um Mm -hmm. like you know like like it's it's as though if frozen the act of true love really was just kissing the prince you know yeah yeah i know exactly what you mean but i mean you know it's it's again it's a nice message but it's also like are you we're really just like the end goal really was just to butcher the drone and to bring the dragons back and now everyone's happy because the dragons have brought back whatever it was that they brought with them in the first place that was explained in the first five minutes like i don't know i don't know i'm reminded of the end of soul where and we talked about this where i wish the character had just moved on to the afterlife (laughs) and that would have and that would have been really daring right and I wish that the parents hadn't 
come back. Like I thought the whole point of this film was that, okay, uh, she joins up with one sort of stock character at every journey through this, through this river. And you have Boone, the kid on the boat and you have the con baby and you have like the big hulking, um, you know, winter boy, winter man. And Winter yeah, Man. <laughs> Winter Tongue. Man. Yeah. And and he had lost his family and the con baby obviously was being raised by these monkey-like creatures. And so everybody lost somebody and then they create a family. And I love that. And it's like, oh, okay, I'm going back to my mom now and I'm gonna go back to my dead kids and I'm, you know, my family's suddenly alive. And it was a little pat in that way. I wanted them to all just kind of be with their quote well, they unquote. All went, chosen they all went family. back to their people, but then they immediately all went back to heart because they all had to go show up to to say like sorry daniel day kim we fucked up <laughs> well sure but again it's like it was too easy and that it was no, like I, i'm agreeing with you yes Dedrick, because cedric diggory stayed dead and i will never forget forget <laughs> that and i will and i will always love that cedric diggory stayed dead and i just kind of wish these people stayed dead yeah i remember making shirts that said keep cedric diggory dead <laughs> <laughs> wait really Are no you Oh I my never God. <laughs> read those books. That would be funny as shit, though. That would be hilarious. <laughs> just um, every book being worried she's going to bring back Cedric Diggory. And just start I wearing know. Shirt. Stay dead, bitch. I am. Um, so, I also. Oh. <laughs> 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 Jesus Christ. I will say also, I I found the um, I didn't I didn't quite understand why Namari was like out to get Raya so hard. She was in love with her. Are we really just gonna there print, was like, major <laughs> sexual tension between them. I yeah. found more sexual tension on this is gonna sound real bad. Uh, I found more romantic tension between them when they were children than when they were older. They, they were like oh 13. They were 13. She, okay, but Namari did like the little like sideways glance, pushing the hair behind her ear thing. And then as when she's older, she's just like, I irrationally want to murder Raya. And then she murder raya yes that's the unspoken tension um it's just like so it basically culminates when raya like walks into the crumbling temple and this is a beautiful scene and i like the fight and everything but um when she walks into the temple and raya's like screams her name and then mari's like let's finish this and i'm like finish fucking what like you've been chasing (laughs) her for six years but like you don't have a reason to Raya's pissed at you for obvious reasons, but you could have just hid on your island and you would have been fine. Mm-hmm. Well, sure. each of each of them are doing it for uh, basically for their parents, and mm-hmm. it was not only until you know that you know that quote unquote sacrifice at the end that they need that they realize that they need to do it for each other, pretty much. Right. Because yeah. what uh, I mean, even though. Raya's doing her heroine thing, you know, her heroic, you know, protagonist kind of deal. Uh, he, she's doing <laughs> it. She's doing it all for her her dad. Oh no, her ba actually. And yeah. and you know, as, big asterisk here. But the fact that this film, the official honorific to call father to address father is ba, which is what I also use. That sends the most chills down my spine. <laughs> I mean, I love the food. I love the action. Big Hero 6 kind of uh, action. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love uh, how I think this is uh, Carlos Lopez Estrada's kind of like a 
contribution, biggest contribution to the film is that, you know, all the banters are really snappy and fun. Mm -hmm. But the biggest, the most thrilling thing for me is that, you know, uh, you you know, Ba is father here. Anyway, going back to the point. I I didn't even think about that because I just, (laughs) well, I'm, I'm, it, it just, didn't even occur to me that that's what she was saying. I didn't, I don't know if I heard dad. I mean, that's, I don't mean like I translated it, but to me, it was just like, it, it seemed so natural. Right. You yeah, thought she was uh, slipping into Irish and calling him da. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It just seemed so like, this is the world. Like, it, I don't know. That's really beautiful. Thank you for sharing yeah. that. Uh, no problem. That's and a- so, you know, in that, in that case, then, you know, uh, Namari's actions, then she's doing it for her mom, for her mare. But uh, it's so, you know, is it, is it a good, is it a good action versus a bad action? Not really. They're all, they're all doing it for their own right reasons. And are their reasons right? Yes, to them. So, you know, it seems like these are, uh, these are children who are caught in a familial or parental power struggle, and you know that's all. That's all that they're trying to do. So let's finish this. Sure, let's finish this power struggle that our parents created. They but just didn't say it out loud. What's weird about that is that Raya is trying to get her dad back, and Namari is trying to do what her mom is telling her. Mm-hmm. So, like, I I feel like if I don't know if if Namari's mother had also been stonified, you know. Then maybe that would maybe that would like make more sense to me. But like, Damari still has her mom, and her mom is kind of the one pulling the strings. And like, so I, it just doesn't it doesn't feel like she is being motivated by a strict desire to destroy Raya so much as just please her mother. But that's not really like I don't know. It's just like let's end this. Feels like it's a much more personal thing. Like you know, I've been waiting for you a long time. Like this, we've been moving up to this dance for as long as I've known you. Like mm-hmm. they met, they sort of became friends, but Namari was like lying. Like it would just make more sense, I guess, for if, if the if the roles were reversed. Like if if mm-hmm. Namari like what found Ryan was like Ryan. Ryan's like let's finish this because like. Raya's the one who's been getting screwed over by Namari her whole damn life. <laughs> you know, she's the one who should be like, I'm ending this now. I have not murdered you for six years, but it is time. Beginning from the moment that you betrayed me in that beautiful water garden to right now, you've been nothing but a thorn in my side and we're taking this out. Mm. All right. Yeah. So I don't know. That was, that was just one of those things that struck me. And I had another, Oh, I, I don't know if it's, you know, talking about the, the Ba thing. Um, it seems like when they get mad at each other, they call each other something. Banturi? Yes. Is that is that a thing? That, uh, I have no idea because it's not it's not Vietnamese. So okay. I, I apologize. It's fine. You I don't shouldn't ex- have to be like our <laughs> cultural interpreter. Like, right? No, but it's like, oh, is that it definitely sounded like like bad slang? Like, I I was I well, was that's... ready. I was ready for the internet to explode and and go over like uh, what is it? Loki speech in in Avengers when he calls her, I think a a, a mewling cur or something like that. I think it was Quim. Like, oh, 
Quim. Yeah. And people were like, oh, that's a that's like a real, real, it's like a real fifth bad century thing. way of a, <laughs> talking about a woman's genitalia. It's like, oh, my God. Yeah. No, I don't know. Because every time they said it, I legitimately thought they were about to say bitch. And I was like, whoa, this movie's going for it. <laughs> well, you can you can kind of sense that because right after, I guess, the first time that we heard Raya saying it and then uh, Namari, uh, didn't she say something like Banturi? You know, that's not a very nice way to call us or something like that. Yeah. So I don't know. It's interesting. Someone out there, please tell me. But again, <laughs> I was with Bill because I was like, that might just, and this is one of the problems with taking real life cultures and then trying to graft them, you know, 70, 30 or 60, 40, whatever onto a, onto a, <laughs> a fantasy world. Cause you're like, is that like a thing that they made up? Or is it, yeah. you know, something else? It's um... Or am I just being really white right now because I don't <laughs> know what I'm talking about? Right. Like, as... like, I kept thinking oh, during this movie, like, oh, I really wish I understood sort of the iconography of the area, but I, I've never taken a class in classical art or art of this region, but I feel like a, there are a lot of Easter eggs that I'm missing or there's just even even a lot of the um just like the the visuals the the design element it, it's like lost on me um because i i'm not as familiar with like the sim- symbolism or or semiotics of of southeast asia right now so, i mean i'm yeah. I, I, as i said i'm irish italian with a, a dash of mexican and i'm just lucky because the Catholics like took over all of those cultures. So like, I'm totally fine because I'm Catholic too. So it's like, oh yes, crosses and fish and stuff. And the Virgin, this is great. I understand it all. But like, if you were to get back before that, I wouldn't know anything about any of those cultures, even though I'm part of them. I think what you're describing (laughs) is cultural imperialism. (laughs) You just love throwing the imperialism around. No, but I mean, seriously, like if you think about it, uh i mean the irish were colonized like mexico was colonized like there's a reason that you're sort of under the umbrella of catholicism here. oh i was about to say there's a reason that i hate the british so much oh that was them them too them's too them's too <laughs> no, that's dictionary the... this is the cultural imperialism is the practice of promoting and imposing a culture usually that of a politically powerful country over a less powerful society damn yeah. oppression hmm yeah yeah so uh what was what is what was it cultural imperialism okay. is that the word so so i looked it up and it's the reason my ancestors def- had to speak english instead of gaelic anyway go ahead <laughs> <laughs> uh so binturi and it's b-i-n-t-u-r-i definitely uh seems like it's just a made-up uh thing for raya uh specifically um but like our guest was mentioning the uh the the apparently the hands forming kind of that gym shape with the hands mm-hmm. uh that is definitely like a uh a, a greeting a hello or a thank you um in southeast asia um i think they they're saying that it's like nop in Laotian, right? It's Lao, and then Y in uh, Thai, and so uh, I guess that's a a way of uh, common greeting over mm-hmm. there. Yeah, it's so, um, 
And yeah, because uh, let's let's not forget that uh, even though we have a uh, Malaysian American uh, screenwriter Adele Lim, and uh, her co-writer is a Vietnamese American Queen Nguyen, the head of story for Raya is Thai. Mm. It's Thai American. So you know, um, you know that gesture of respect. I think in an interview that uh, I read on Slash Film, uh, the 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 uh, hands forming a gem sign. It's kind of like a, when you clasp your hand together uh, when you're traveling around Thailand. And uh, also, what is pretty interesting as well is that uh, I think in that same interview, um, the head of story said that you know if if your if the gem that you made with your hand the higher it is then you know the greater the respect or reverence that you uh, give interesting so that that quiet moment in uh, raya when you know all the cats are sprinting through the land and then uh, namari uh, gesture for the, all of them to slow down just so that they can pass that dragon graveyard that's beautiful stuff Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, yeah. I, to, I like that. I like that scene a lot. Yeah, not to bring us out of deep symbolism and cultural everything and back to plot. However, I am curious: is the reason that the dragons all come back this time because the people are unified? Because they didn't come back the first time, right? I I would say so. Yes. Okay. That was it. Yeah, they, they've, been, they've been they've been looking. They've been watching. They've been watching up there. Mm-hmm. And not, yeah, and not to mention, like, uh, I, it seems like the power of the gem is also amplified for the second time because, uh, you know, making the gem, making in quotes, uh, like forming the gem together this time are pretty much the, you know, the the recipients of the gem, not the makers of the gem. You know, mm. it's the humans that put the gem together and not the dragons themselves. So, you know, that's why I like, yes, finally, they know how to use my gift. Let's come back. (laughs) You know, maybe I'm just a simpleton, but I feel like a lot of just the plot went over my head. Like it, it was just so much information. Um, And then when you got to the gems and I was like gem shards and my husband kept having to like re-explain things to me. So (laughs) I guess my question is what, audience is this made for like is this is this made for teenagers you know because we were talking a little bit about atlantis and how that was um bringing bringing like an older generation to back to disney so is this is this movie for little kids is it for the whole family and i I think that they almost always pitch these for quote-unquote the whole family but like like i was saying with the dialogue and stuff i think this is definitely a movie that's kind of pitched towards teen right right yeah tweens sounds like a good yeah it feels definitely to me like the action film that mulan the mulan live action should have been because that was supposed Mm. to be like oh that you know that's real adult disney and we're going to bring a level of maturity to to our reboots and i i thought that was kind of a failure um with that film but this was like i actually was into the action i'm almost never into the action of a film but you know between the <laughs> fight scenes between sort of just 
being a quote unquote warrior princess, whatever that means. Like it, it actually worked for me in a way that the actual uh, martial arts film that Disney made didn't work or not martial arts, but like Wuxia. Well, that's the power of uh, Arnie's uh, Silat and Krabby Krabong. So yeah, Silat. Yep. Yeah. The, the action in this film really like, just kind of nails it. it I, I I really appreciate because yeah, it's it's very easy for a lot of these films to just kind of do you know an action scene that doesn't have a lot of choreography mm. or doesn't doesn't seem like it's taking kind of inspiration. But this film definitely took a lot of inspiration from like the the land. Um, you know, I mean, if if you've watched the raid, you kind of know a little bit of, of <laughs> you know Salah and and stuff like that so um it's it's definitely in here as well but yeah that uh i don't know what analog that uh that raya's sword necessarily has but uh definitely the uh the sticks uh brotherhood of the wolf we already been over this (laughs) okay (laughs) in in real life yeah but um the the sticks that's uh arnis and her sword is called a Chris, K R I S. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So that's a thing. Interesting. I knew a guy yeah. named Chris. <laughs> K R I S. All right. I'm looking <laughs> this up. Chris Sword. All right. Nope. I'm not Are we done? It. Oh, there it is. Um, I don't know. We might be. Um, like I said, I don't want to. <laughs> It's kind of funny that we're all like, yeah, this movie's good. We enjoyed it. What's the plot? Like, what's <laughs> like? Are we sure we know? Are we sure we know why everything happened in this? I was. We, it's kind of funny actually because we have talked very little about the actual plot because we've gotten engrossed in other conversations um like, well, at, that, like at a certain point they shoot the dragon in the chest and it fucking dies <laughs> like, yeah um well, and i think that i think that it's just uh, it's just kind of like a perfect reflection of you know uh of how all of us seem to be like uh uh looking at the plot like it's it's rather simplistic right and i think in a way that there's not well if you want to talk more about it you can't quite do it without uh repeating yourself but at the same time like uh the fact that we uh, talk more about you know like elements of it it seems like you know the subtext is stronger and seems to almost like hey guys this is what we want you to pay attention to is the subtext here Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's it is, it's just it's just appropriate. It's just fitting. It's wow. funny in that way because like I feel like the lack of like a better plot or a more well executed plot kind of is what's keeping this movie from reaching like a status for me. Because I you know, it, it I just like I woke up this morning and I was thinking about it because like I watched it with my daughter and it took me like sixteen different like thoughts about the movie to be like oh right and there was a dragon in it too, but like <laughs> <clears throat> that's literally in the title. And it's just weird that like it feels almost like the dragon is uh, mostly an afterthought. It's it's very strange. She's the comic sidekick. I mean, Aquafina is. But there's this is a so many other comic sidekicks in this movie. Like that's another problem is that like you've got Con Baby, you've got Showboatin, Boat Captain Boone. <laughs> I almost tongue tied myself over what I just said. <laughs> and then you've got the uh, and the, I mean Tong is like a pretty normal dude. It feels like. Um, and then you've got Raya, 
no, Raya is the main character. Then you've got the the dragon, and it's just like I don't know. Like the dragon feels almost uh, almost um, especially because she could turn into a human sometimes, and I thought they were gonna do more with that. Like she feels like almost like an afterthought at certain times. I was like mm. kind of confused by it, but yeah, yeah she gets uh, she gets stone murdered. <laughs> <laughs> My daughter was not happy about that. Uh, she cried out sushi. Very upset. <laughs> because <laughs> again she was having trouble uh wrapping her her brain around the words um she got raya every time though so that's good but yeah so uh she gets she gets killed and then um i don't know it's what it's not to bring us back to the plot but again like when when namari's like no one ever believed me but Ra or but the uh, sisu did i was like no one ever believed you what you tried to steal the goddamn gem like you started this with a betrayal and like you know clearly you you were put up to it by your parents and everything but like you never failed to explain yourself after that mm-hmm. so i don't know i mean like and then i don't know like i didn't feel like sisu was enough of a character at that point to be like oh morning like to me she was more like a plot device and i was like oh shit how are they gonna win if the goddamn dragon's dead especially if you took all the water with her do you realize mm-hmm. what this sounds like it just sounds like <laughs> nonsensical uh and that's that was kind of my original takeaway from this film when i right after i finished it i was like wow that was really beautiful but the story just didn't really go there for me and i really had to dig deep into it with a friend of mine um who was writing about it because she really loved it and she kind of convinced me like she pulled me back (laughs) from the brink um (laughs) so that's why i'm like rah rah raya i want to see it on the big screen so i could so I could fucking understand it. I think that's like where I'm coming from. Well, see, that that's, I... I mean, so like I said, my, I think my daughter actually like perfectly encapsulated like this, just the reaction to this movie on a story level. Cause like for the longest time she was like, is it over? Like, can we turn it off? I don't want to watch this. I don't like it. And then when it was over, she was like, no, I liked it. And I'm like, no, actually I'm kind of with you on that because like <laughs> moment to moment I wasn't really like, you know, if she can follow the story, she's usually super invested and like so not to bring up my she neighbor Toto again. Yeah, she, she loved Minari. She can't even read. Exactly. But she was just very invested in the human emotion that was happening on the screen and me being able to very clearly explain to her what was happening. Um and in this movie I think that she was just lost in between the action scenes because there was too much story and it was, mm-hmm. you know, it was it wasn't put across well but then again at the end she liked it though she was not a fan of the dragon even though she almost cried when she died so who can who can know the thoughts of a four-year-old certainly not i um it's a a backdoor plot of like five different tv shows that's what it felt like well that's so like we when we got the happy meal yeah when we got the happy meal today she she was like ooh raya and then she started turning the box around she's like the monkeys and then just did not pay attention to anything else on the box cuz those were the things that she cared about she loved raya she loved the con baby with the monkeys i like the fact that tong at some point figures out the baby's name and everyone's like oh how do you know that he's like it was on her collar did none of you check you just been hanging out with this baby and these monkeys <laughs> And it's who so good. changing her diaper? I mean, I really asked my husband that at one point. The like, monkeys. No. The monkeys. The yeah. Okay. They show, them, they show them doing it at some point. Oh, Lord. The monkeys <laughs> take care of the baby. <laughs> Where was I? 
I don't know. I, the funny thing is, I didn't even think of that until you said it. And then immediately I was like, oh, right. During that chase, they threw a dirty diaper at Raya and then redressed the baby in mid-flight. This is like I don't, sensory overload. I don't know why you would question that. Like, when do any of them go to the bathroom? Like, that's just a thing you skip over in movies. Yeah, but like, I think the activity of being near a baby is really centered around excrement that's true yeah, there ways. should be a little more about like them having to take care of this baby it uh, this just now makes me wonder like you know little mermaid you know do they do, is there like a she specific a part is there a specific part of the ocean that the mermaids have to go to piss in oh but i do uh, think she has a cloaca oh she 100 percent has a cloaca <laughs> anyway now that we've now that we've sorted all that out um <laughs> are there any final thoughts on raya and the last dragon before we uh before we get out of here i have one uh, final thought in that this film kind of reminded me of arrival hear me out hear me out okay. hear me out all right oh, I'm okay down. okay uh the tea the tea the tea is cometh <laughs> <laughs> it's about so arrival is not really about the aliens uh it's about kind of understanding what the aliens are trying to share and communicate with them mm -hmm. and also making sure that the other countries that are kind of dealing with this crisis are not going to just like blow shit up. Correct. So I kind of see this film as that like the drone, it's not really about the drone who knows what their deal is. If they even have an agenda, if they're sentient, whatever, not really our issue. The issue is making sure that nobody else blows any up, blows up any other shit. And it really is about diplomatic relations. I thought that was kind of a unique, a, a unique, uh, storyline for a kid's movie is that there's no like there's no real good versus evil it's making sure that people actually get along and, and pat yes it's pat but i don't really see that in a lot of kids tv shows unless or kids movies besides dark crystal age of resistance i highly recommend it <laughs> all right uh any other final thoughts uh, uh, oh, I, I, no you I, go I, ahead you go ahead okay. I was going to say uh, one weird thing, uh, that Dark Crystal uh, Resistance, it has Benedict Wong and it has Aquafina voicing some of the... Oh, yeah, you're right. The, the bad characters or whatever. The Skeksis. So, mm -hmm. Interesting. So that's, that's weird. <laughs> that's really that's weird. What I, I didn't even think about that. Anyway, it's a great show. All right. Uh, Wynn, final thought? All right. <clears throat> well, I have... Uh... Two mini thoughts, mini final thoughts. Uh, the first one is uh, Kelly Marie Tran. She she did uh, her voice work. It will is spectacular, and I mean, you know, well, if any of us has listened to the uh, Passenger List uh, fiction uh, fictional podcast, um, you know, when you when you listen to it, you can feel like, oh my. Kelly can really do some voice acting here, and lo and behold, she's she's in Ryan the Last Dragon, and she really owns it. I mean, you can kind of, uh, you know, kind of like have a preview of her um, of her talents in the Crudes too, but then you know she <laughs> she she wasn't the main selling point of that film. So, I, but anyway, you know what's weird. Anyway. Not to not to cut you off, but I just need to say, if I had known she was in the Croods of New Age, I might have actually wanted to see that movie. 
because I do like her and I, I agree with you uh, that her voice acting in this movie is really good. Mm-hmm. And the um, and my second final thought is that um, the animators have really capitalized on the uh, internet thirst of Daniel Bay, I mean Daniel Day Kim in drawing the dad. <laughs> That's all I'll say. That's all I'll say. He but. is in this movie. His his character is the most handsome, wonderful person on earth and it was actually to the point where almost with him and no one else i almost felt there was like an uncanny valley thing going on oh mm-hmm. yeah like because of know, the cheekbones yeah like raya and and uh namari and obviously like tong is is super not like a realistic looking human being but benja was like i just was like this is, it's it's too close to reality it's starting to freak me out and then he turned to stone and i was like well not gonna be a problem for the rest of the movie he was just too handsomely humanly like proportioned and everything and i was like no stylize this up a little bit it's getting unnerving he's too bangable for you (laughs) as we end every series or uh, episode of the podcast let's talk about the most bangable character oh geez who was the most bangable person in nomadland um david strathairn obviously duh (laughs) like how dare you even ask i know he's so cute yeah yeah he is and that's it um so that's all for today uh before we leave i'd like to remind everyone that this episode is brought to you by film movement plus the award-winning independent features documentaries and shorts of film movement plus can be yours all you have to do is go to filmmovementplus.com to uh, sign up and remember that if you use the promo code stage when you sign up you will get a 30-day free trial plus three months at 50 percent off again this can be used on all of your favorite devices including roku apple tv amazon fire and many many more so check it out there's a new films added every week you're going to want to go to filmmovementplus.com and then use stage as your promo code when you're checking out for your three free day trial and three months off three months at 50% off film movement plus don't also forget to go to patreon.com slash film state show to give us your money uh what are we talking about next week silence of the lambs i believe Ooh, Ooh. throwback whoa whoa, whoa. yeah <laughs> it's gonna be epic uh i haven't seen that movie in probably a decade yeah same for me weird? college okay, was good. the last time I'm going to introduce my husband. He has never seen it. I uh, will not be watching. Or I know that like the last couple weeks, you know, it's been like, oh, what did Cora think of the movie? She will not be watching Silence of the Lambs with me. <laughs> oh, not even the cartoon. No. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> I just and, want a cartoon. And you know, just um, you know, just kind of like you know, uh, putting putting a putting a teeny little tiny tidbit forward i just hope that you know for that episode uh y'all will you know dedicate a whole lot of uh minutes to comment on the cinematography of that film because apparently the silence of the lambs dp is japanese and he's also one of my favorites japanese ever tak fujimoto oh my god oh my goodness i mean a legend yeah 
Because a lot of people don't seem to be noticing that when they uh, discuss the Silence of the Lambs. And I was like, ah, missed opportunities, guys. Missed opportunities everywhere. You know, performance and everything aside, because obviously that movie's got great performances, but I feel like it is the cinematography, you know, combined with Demi's direction that makes it elevated beyond what the source material might have brought out from a, a different person. So, like, how could you not talk about the cinematography? It's just, yeah, it's so important. Okay. Peak, peak, everybody. Yeah, we're already doing it. Um, so <laughs> tune in next week when we talk about Silence of the Lambs as a classic episode. Um, in the meantime, we can tell the fine people at home where we can be found between now and the next time that we were in their ears. So, Winlay, where can people find your work online? Oh, okay. Uh, I just thought that Robin uh, should go first because today is her day, you know. But you're the guest. No, you're the guest. You're the oh, guest. Oh, okay. All right. Stop it, stop it, y'all. Stop it, stop it. Uh, guest. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway. Bill's got uh, a big bowl of gray stuff if you want it. <laughs> it's delicious, and apparently. <laughs> mangoes. Dip gray the mangoes mango. in the gray stuff. Uh, mango with uh, mango with sticky rice with uh, you know uh, co- uh, the coconut cream does turn gray when you leave it out for a little while so you know that that'd be that'd be a good it is, gray it sauce. Is, it is the uh, the avocado of, of <laughs> Asian culture. I, I, I'd say so. Anyway, uh, where can people find me? Hmm, where, where, where? Uh, should I get my address? Yeah, no, I was about to say a I street won't. address is fine. <laughs> I know. Dox yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, on Twitter, I'm NLE318. And on Facebook, I am win.play.334. Yes, I do memorize my Facebook link. How about that? <laughs> awesome. Awesome. All right. Robin Barr. Uh, you can find me also on Twitter, uh, R-O-B-Y-N-B-A-H-R. I'm very active in responding to people, apparently, because that's all I did yesterday while I was on the Amtrak uh, was just respond to people on Twitter. Um, I can, I, You can find my writing. I write sometimes for The Hollywood Reporter. I've written a little bit for other places like The Washington Post and Slate and all those places that wonderfully pick up my pitches sometimes so uh you can find me there as well uh the washington post my hometown yeah. oh, newspaper. Uh, uh, just <laughs> if, if, I, if i may interject uh, robin thank you so much for your writings i actually learn a lot from you uh throughout so you know just keep being yeah. awesome thank you so much you're so sweet well obviously i learned from you otherwise i you know otherwise i wouldn't have known how much you loved raya and i'm so glad that we have brought you on today Nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Bill Graham. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at CableBFG. You can also find me on Instagram at BillStagram, always posting puppy pictures. And uh, you can also find me mixing it up on the Slack channel. I will make one uh, correction uh, to myself. So Kelly Marie Tran is actually of Southeast Asian de- 
descent. Uh, so whoops there. Uh, Wait, what did you very say? Very confusing. Uh, I I didn't necessarily call her out that she wasn't part of that, but I definitely called out kind of the main cast and crew of the film for not being Southeast Asian, and apparently she is. Uh, her parents fled uh, Vietnam when they were young. So uh, what, what yeah. else would she be? <laughs> <laughs> she's, like, yeah. she's like a Californian, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. She was born in in San Diego, actually. So ah, San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> uh. But yeah. So that's so. you're done. You're done fixing yourself. Yes. Okay. Cool. Um. As for me, uh, you can find my personal site, BrianJerone.com, uh, business site, SchmidtSpirits.com. Um, don't forget that you can follow me on all the social medias at Brian J. Rowan. Um, probably not going to be super active on a lot of those because I am in the midst of a deep depression right now, uh, which is explained if you follow me on any of those. Um, but I'll be back. Like, I'll be back to the Slack channel. Uh, if you would like to hear more episodes of this show or read more writing of mine, that is all available at thefilmstage.com. So thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us, and tune in next week. Yeah.